0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Fresh Frozen Southerner podcast. My name is Jay. I hope all is well. I hope everybody's enjoying the end of their spring and the beginning of their summer. Now I want to start out today with a quick story that my nephew told me. And if this embarrasses my sister, I think she does still listen to the podcast. Uh, I'm sorry, but it's funny and I'm sharing it. So we were sitting at dinner with my mother and My oldest nephew had joined us for dinner that evening, and he got to talking about how much him and his siblings fight over chocolate milk. Now, him and his siblings like the pre-made chocolate milk that you buy at the grocery store. My kids never drank that because they want to do everything in the most inconvenient way for me and their mother possible. But we would always buy just regular whole milk and Hershey's syrup. And when we lived in Pennsylvania, we were actually close to Hershey, Pennsylvania. And we would go down there once, twice a year. And we'd either go to Hershey Park or to some of the other attractions. Or sometimes we'd just go down right around town. It's a very pretty town. But anytime we were at Hershey Park or at Chocolate World or just driving around the streets, I would be looking around and I'd be thinking, we paid for most of this. Because I don't know how many glasses of chocolate milk I've made through the years. I know when the kids were preschool age when we would make our weekly trip to Walmart to get everything we needed for the week we would buy four gallons of milk for two small children and it was a coin toss whether four gallons of milk would get us through the week until our next trip that's how much chocolate milk these I'm going to edit myself uh, what those kids were drinking and, and we had to make the chocolate milk all the time and my son still drinks chocolate milk pretty regularly, at least one glass every night. So we're still purchasing Hershey's syrup in bulk. But my nephews and my niece like the pre-made chocolate milk. And it's always a big fight over how much chocolate milk one individual is drinking. Or are you leaving enough for the other two? So my sister hit on the idea, I'm going to buy three gallons of chocolate milk, which made, made me chuckle because it was like us buying whole milk back in the day. But she would buy three gallons of the pre-made chocolate milk, and it was one for each of the children. But this created a little bit of a dilemma because then certain individuals, and maybe all three of them, would try to burn through their gallon as quickly as they possibly could and then start drinking one of the other gallons. I guess the, the logic being, if I drink mine super quickly, I can get a little bit extra, Without looking at the bigger picture, which is, yeah, you're just out of chocolate milk that much quicker. It doesn't matter that you're still drinking the entire gallon. If you're out in two days, that third day means no chocolate milk. My niece actually has started marking her gallon so she can tell if anybody has poured a glass out of hers. And my nephew was saying he had been out of town. And when he got back, his chocolate milk, apparently when he wasn't there to watch it, it just turned into fair game. But ever since he's told this story, the idea of competitive chocolate milk has just been stuck in my head. And I chuckle every time I think about it. But let's move on to what I wanted to talk about today. And usually I'm a pretty upbeat guy. My The tagline for my show is a disappointed but optimistic look at modern America. And I do not feel optimistic about something that's upcoming And that is because on June the 30th, the fifth Indiana Jones film will be releasing in theaters. Now, the first three were great. Um, I seem to be alone in the opinion that Temple of Doom really wasn't all that great of a movie. I'm not saying it was terrible. It just, I don't know, the the tone was off or something. It, It just doesn't feel quite right. It's a little bit more campy. And I don't, I don't know what it was, 100%. It just, I don't know, It felt a little more cartoony than the other two, the original and The Last Crusade, the one with Sean Connery. But you know, the, the first three were very good. I don't know if you watch Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. It was really not a good movie. And number one, I mean, Harrison Ford, he's doing his best out there, but he's just really, he's too old to play. Indiana Jones at that point and this came out in 2008 so 15 years ago he was too old to really play Indiana Jones and it's it's not that Indiana Jones is of course he's a professor the character is a college professor but he's also the globe-trotting adventurer and watching Harrison Ford struggle just to walk it sort of makes the action sequences seem a little bit too unbelievable and not that the CGI or the action in that movie was was very grounded to begin with. I mean, you you had Shia LaBeouf swinging on vines and somehow telepathically communicating with a troop of monkeys. It was a little bit out there, but it was really not a very good movie, and it should not have been made, least of all because Harrison Ford really can't physically do the role anymore. But here comes another one. And Harrison Ford's 80. You know, he's still a good actor, but it's like football. There comes a time, I don't care how great of a running back you were when you were 23, when you're 35, you can't play the game anymore. And it's just a sad reality of life. And Harrison Ford is well beyond when he should be playing this type of character. Harrison Ford's age aside, though, the reason I'm not looking forward to this movie is because the Indiana Jones franchise is now owned by Lucasfilm and Lucasfilm is run by Kathleen Kennedy. Now for years now we've been having movies come out where the studios you know, really make a push to hire women writers, women directors, and that's absolutely fine. The problem is is they're not hiring talented female writers and directors. They're hiring activist female writers and directors. They're hiring people based on you know, do they say the right things on social media? Do Are they screaming, you know, smash the patriarchy every time they walk out their front door? And you're getting people that aren't very good writers, you know, are very inexperienced directors. They're just not ready to take on these big roles. And you can tell it in the final product. The stuff is just not very well done. The stories don't make sense. There's a lot of contrivances and conveniences in the plot. It's just not very well written or very well directed. And for a long time, I just thought that that was a byproduct of the fact that they were hiring people based on political affiliations rather than talent. I have come around on that because there is a trend, and particularly with Lucasfilm products, but really a lot of big mainstream Hollywood movies and even TV shows now. And that is where the male characters are there to be basically just lampooned. And particularly with Lucasfilm, It's not just they're making men look bad. They are making movies that have these very beloved, very iconic male heroes, and it's just an assassination attempt. And when I say that, I mean that literally. These movies are made specifically so they can take these legacy characters and just turn them into horrible people. I mean, in the last 50 years of cinema, if you ask somebody who is the poster child for the hero's journey iconic movie hero and most people are going to say luke skywalker well what did the force awakens trilogy do to luke skywalker well they turned him into a failure he tried to kill his nephew because he misread the situation he then turned his back on his friends his duty and just walked away from everything and they when they find him he's just this weird broken Hermit that's just waiting to die, and he treats everybody like crap, and he won't help any, and he's not going to come back. I mean, they just turn these people into horrible, horrible characters. Kathleen Kennedy has even said in an interview, she looks at the Luke Skywalker story as a cautionary tale. She took an icon of cinema and decided that she wanted him to be a cautionary tale, in those same movies, they took Han Solo and they turned him into a deadbeat father who had left his son and his wife and just pissed off into the galaxy, somehow managing to lose his beloved Millennium Falcon starship, which was you know, always the thing, one of the things he loved most in the world. He somehow managed to even lose that. And he's just this vagabond that Daisy Ridley's character happens to run into. Lando Calrissian is nowhere to be found. He's hardly mentioned. He shows up in one scene, which there's no explanation of how he came to be there or how he knew where they were going to be. That was one of the contrivances I spoke of earlier. And all of this is in addition to the fact that the first Force Awakens movie is basically just a shot-for-shot remake of A New Hope. And it's, it's like Kathleen Kennedy's whole intention was, you know, I want to rewrite this story and I want to make... Luke Skywalker, the boob of the story, and I'm going to do it with a better, more talented female character. And if you don't agree with that, let me give you a synopsis, and you tell me if I'm talking about A New Hope or The Force Awakens. All right, You have an orphan nobody growing up on a desert planet that somehow comes into possession of a droid that has information that is vital to the rebellion fighting off the bad guys. When the bad guys show up, this character escapes the planet on the Millennium Falcon with Han Solo and Chewbacca in tow. They get captured by the bad guys and taken to their giant, round, planet-killing space station, which they then escape from. But in the escape, the bad guys are able to track them to where they're going to rendezvous with the Rebellion. And before they can get there and blow up that planet, X-Wing fighters blow up the planet-killing Starbase. Now, which movie was I talking about? Because that is not a synopsis that covers both of those stories. It's like I say, it's basically just a shot for shot remake, except Kathleen Kennedy wanted to take a dump on Luke Skywalker and elevate a female character. Now, you can elevate a female character. That's fine. We're going to get into a little bit more of that here in just a second. But the fact that they always go out of their way to make the legacy male heroes just piles of trash. I mean, if anybody has watched the new Peter Pan and Wendy movie, Wendy is the hero of the story. Peter Pan is such a despicable, spiteful little monster that he is responsible for the all the bad stuff that the bad guys did. He is the reason that Captain Hook is evil. He is and not you know, just through happenstance. In that story, Captain Hook was once one of the Lost Boys and he missed his mother and missed his family. So he went looking for them. He left Neverland to try to find his mother. He never found her. He came back to Neverland, wanted to rejoin the Lost Boys and Peter Pan told him to go pound sand because he was angry that his friend left. And I have not watched it if I've got that Plot point wrong. Please let me know in the comments. But, I mean, they turned Peter Pan, I mean, just into a dirtbag. I mean, the reason that whole chain of events happened is because he just brutalized what would become Captain Hook because he was mad. Now, the flip side of this is how they write the women. And these writers and these directors, they go so far out of their way to make the female characters just so perfect that they might as well just make them omnipotent. I, I did a episode about how the hero's journey is ended. And, you know, the hero's journey gets used in pretty much any piece of fiction, whether it be a novel, a play, a TV show, a movie. And if you watch shows and you know what the hero's journey is, you can kind of tick the points off as you go. And, you know, it seems like that would get worn out. But there's a reason that that just keeps getting reused is because it's it works. We we can identify with those characters. The hero's journey is basically they start out very naive, very inexperienced, usually very young. You know, they get taken on a journey of discovery. There's almost always an older mentor there to guide them along and teach them along the way. And then they suffer some setbacks. They have to kind of start from scratch again. And by the end of the story, you know, they're they're very experienced, they're very competent, and they win the day. If you watch movies, particularly, you know, any I won't say action, but a lot of movies where there's you know, fighting and war movies, you see this a lot, you'll see those points along the way. And like I say, it gets reused all the time because it works. But when you're writing for these modern Hollywood movies and you're writing a female character, you can't do the hero's journey because you cannot have them portrayed as incompetent. And I don't mean that derogatorily. I mean, just like, you know, if you put me on the space shuttle and said, land this thing, we're all going to die because I am—I have no competency in flying the space shuttle. Now, that doesn't mean that I couldn't train and you know, get my pilot's license and maybe 10, 15 years from now, I would be an excellent space shuttle pilot. I can't do it right now. You cannot show modern females in movies like that. They have to be perfect at everything. Everybody loves them, even though... 90% of the people they run into, they will just treat them like absolute garbage. They're arrogant. They're de- condescending. They're mean to people. I mean, they they write these women in a way that if a male character was like that, they would hate that person. They, that would be toxic masculinity. But they think that is what makes a strong female character. And part of it is, I think, a lot of these activist writers, it's not a character they're writing. That's them. They see that character as who they are and they're so narcissistic they think they are perfect and that's what they want this self-insert character that they're writing to be because they think that's how they should be viewed by everybody and it's you know these people are so narcissistic they can't take a step back and say this is not me i'm writing a character and most people are going to hate this person's guts because this is a really despicable person i'm writing And I'm not saying that women can't be good writers, because I read all kinds of novels. And I don't know what the percentage of novels that I read are written by women, but I read a lot of books that are written by women. Most of the time, I don't know who wrote the book that I'm reading at the moment. Um, I have kind of burned through all of my favorite authors. And a lot of times when I'm purchasing a new novel to read, I get on Amazon on my Kindle, and I read the little blurb about the book what the story is. And I'll choose from that. And I don't look at the author. I don't know if it was written by a man or a woman. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. But I've read a lot of novels by women. And, you know, some of them aren't that great. Most of them are eh, fair to middling. You know, it's an enjoyable read, but not great. And, you know, sometimes you read a book that just catches your imagination. It's just a great, a great time reading it. The point I'm trying to make here is that there are some very skilled female writers in the world, and they could hire these individuals to write these movies, but for some reason they always get these people that, you know, their degrees are in gender studies, and they're just steeped in this woke culture. Women are oppressed, and and they're all perfect, and it's just because nobody understands it. If you want a good example of this, Read The Hunger Games or watch the movies. They're, they're both pretty good. I read the series about a year or two before the movies came out. Um, I got my Kindle as a Christmas gift from my wife. And she was friends with a woman at her job that her husband worked in IT. And when I got my Kindle, she had gotten this woman's husband to download a bunch of novels that she had on her Kindle. And when I got it, I had about a hundred novels already preloaded on this thing. And the Hunger Games series was one of the, or some of the books that was on this Kindle. I'd never heard of them, but I was just kind of going down the list reading the books. And when I got to the Hunger Games, they were very good. And the movie was good as well. I didn't like it quite as much as I did the books. But take a look at the character of Katniss. Katniss did not, and I hope everybody's seen The Hunger Games, or or you're not going to understand the reference here, but when Katniss volunteered to go to The Hunger Games in place of her sister, she didn't do it because she knew she was just the bestest at everything. She thought that she was sacrificing her life to save her little sister's life. She did not think she was going to win The Hunger Games. She was absolutely convinced that she was on her way to die. But because of the skills that she had developed, she grew up on the ragged edge of dying of malnutrition, and so out of desperation, she had started as a young girl going into the woods to try to scavenge food, and over the years, she had learned how to hunt, how to stalk animals. She became an expert marksman with a bow. These skills helped her in The Hunger Games tremendously, but it wasn't just because that she's just perfect right out of the gate. There was a reason that she had these skills, and the author took the time to set them up and make them believable. They don't do that anymore, and just to shine a light on this particular impulse that Hollywood writers have, they're getting ready to do a prequel movie for The Hunger Games, and in the trailer the female character that is sort of the doppelganger for Katniss in these is yelling at her handler that if he wants to help her, he needs to start by believing that she can win. So she's putting on display all the things that make these characters unlikable, unbelievable, and just really just annoying assholes that you would never want to be around in real life because they're basically just saying, you know, I'm going to win this and, you don't see it because you're a jerk and you don't think I can do it just because I'm female. It's turning into a trope at this point, but they cannot help themselves from doing it. And that's why I am not looking forward to the Indiana Jones movie, because it's just going to be a character assassination of somebody that a character that is just beloved by a lot of people in this country. Most of us grew up watching Indiana Jones and turning him into a broken, ridiculous, wrong-headed failure is not what anybody wants to see. And they have hired Phoebe Waller-Bridge to do the writing, and she's in the movie. Now, if you don't know who this woman is, she's been attached to a couple of just really box office bombs for Lucasfilm. I can't imagine why they keep hiring her, other than the fact that she hates men as much as Kathleen Kennedy does. Uh, But she... Had a show on Netflix called Fleabag. Um, I actually watched the first season, and it wasn't bad. She she has talent as a writer, but you're watching her character. She was the star, so there again, you self insert. And her character had a lot of foibles, but through the thing, you kind of expected, you know, there's going to be she's going to have some kind of redeeming arc by the end of it. Uh, but no, um, she. Subverted my expectations, which is something that you'll get here thrown around a lot and it's never a good thing. But the culmination of the first season, it just makes her character such a just a despicable person that you and you really didn't like her a lot through the whole show. But the ending of that first season, I mean, it just it makes her just such a horrible person that I just couldn't care about the character anymore. And I watched like one or two of the episodes for the second season and I just couldn't care for it I just, I couldn't be bothered. It, she had killed any of my interest in those characters, uh, but she was in solo. I haven't watched solo. I've heard it's terrible. I've never heard anybody say anything good about solo. Um, the, the prequel star Wars movie that shares the, dis- or not share the distinction. Uh, it, Became the first Star Wars film to ever lose money, if that gives you any idea how poorly this movie has been received. Uh, But yeah, let's put her in the Indiana Jones movie. It'll, It'll be great. And in the trailer, now, obviously this is taken out of context because you just see her say the line. You don't know what led up to it. Maybe it's not as egregious as it sounds like. But in the trailer, she says to Indiana Jones, you've had some adventures. You've made your mistakes. And now a final victory. She's trying to convince him to come help her, which, from what I understand, you know she's supposed to be you know smarter and better than Indiana Jones at everything. If you think somebody has had nothing but failures their whole career and you're better at them than everything, why would you ask for their help? That doesn't make any sense. But that just kind of sets up how they're going to treat the Indiana Jones character. Now, about a year ago, or perhaps a little bit longer, Uh, They had some test screenings of this movie where people just absolutely hated it. And they have done extensive reshoots and rewrites to this movie, trying to make it to where people don't want to tear the theater down after they watch it. And I, I don't know, but I would speculate that she kind of led Indiana Jones by the nose through this whole movie. He couldn't do anything right. And she was just better at him than everything. And it was just two hours of her belittling the shit out of Indiana Jones. And then at the end, he gets killed and she takes on the mantle. And people did not like that. And I can't believe Lucasfilm doesn't understand at this point that that's not what people want to see and why they keep pushing this narrative. Because people are starting to get fed up with it. And I think the reaction to the movie that's coming out the finalized version, even after all the reshoots, even after all the rewrites, people still are not liking this movie. In fact, when they showed it at cons, which I've heard some people wonder, you know, why would they show this movie beforehand at all? But they showed it at cons, and I can't remember the publication the gentleman works for, but his quote in his review was, I can't imagine that anybody wants to see an old broken down indiana jones being led around by an annoying young woman and i think that pretty much sums up everything that i believe this movie is going to be and they've backed off on it a lot from what i understand with the rewrites uh, but they're not going to they're not going to treat indiana jones with the respect and the reverence that he deserves and that was always the plan Because like I say, I believe that Kathleen Kennedy is making these movies not because she's trying to make a quick buck off of established and well-loved characters. This is a malicious attempt to besmirch these characters and destroy them. That is her goal, and that's why everything that keeps coming out, that's exactly what we see. The only good news in this whole sorry mess is I'm struggling to think of any legacy characters that they haven't completely destroyed already. I I feel like maybe their crusade has run out of villages to burn. Before we wrap this up, there is one other thing I want to touch on real quick since we've been talking about female characters in movies and the Hunger Games. Jennifer Lawrence did an interview and I don't know when the interview was. I got the impression that it was about a month ago, but it may have been from a year ago for all I know. But she was talking about the Hunger Games <clears throat> and she was basically taking credit for a female character leading an action movie period that she said that nobody had ever put a female in the lead of an action film she was the first one and i know that these hollywood stars when they make it big they live very insulated lives and they're surrounded by people that just tell them everything they do is great and they never tell them no about anything But how can you believe that? Now, I don't know if she is just trying to take a little credit. Um, She has kind of fallen out of favor in Hollywood, from what I understand. She has not had any major roles in a while. And she may be, her ego may be kind of rebelling against the fact that her star is fading. I don't know why she said that or if she actually believes that. I find it hard to believe that she actually believes those words when she said them. Even, you know, I understand that you don't have to be a cinephile to be an actor. And maybe she just doesn't simply like watching movies. But how can you not be aware that movies like Aliens or The Terminator, you know, there's so many examples that I I just can't believe for a second that she does not understand that women have led many, many action movies before her. And it goes even beyond her because I saw comments where people were defending what she said. You know, in fact, I said Terminator and aliens. And of course that's the, the most famous female led franchises. So that's what everybody would was bringing up. And there was a guy in the comments and say, you know, the fact that people keep bringing up the same two movies 40 years apart may mean she's more right than, well, the fact that you're admitting those movies exist disprove what she said but number one there's been multiple terminators there's been multiple aliens it's not just two films but even beyond that i mean you've got the resident evil franchise i think they've made like seven of those you new know, kill bill one and two anna salt the long kiss Goodnight, very underrated movie if you haven't seen it it's enjoyable i recommend you watch that red Sonia, barbarella How many times have they remade La Femme Nikita? There are all kinds of female-led action films. I don't understand why Jennifer Lawrence is pretending that she's not aware of any of these. I don't know why that jackass in the comments that I was reading was pretending he wasn't aware of any of these. But when you say things that are just so easily disproven and you announce them with such certitude, it's like I put brakes on my wife's Yukon last week. If when I was done with that, I made an announcement that I was the first person to ever use an impact wrench to get the lug nuts off the wheels. Nobody had ever thought to use that tool in that fashion, and I'm an innovator. You'd all think I was nuts, and you'd be right. But anyway, I went on long enough. Um, Please don't go see the new Indiana Jones movie. I might watch it if it hits Hulu or something in a couple of months, and I can watch it for free. I'm not giving Lucasfilm a dime to watch them ritualistically murder a character from my childhood. And that's exactly what this is going to turn out to be. But it's your money and it's your time. Do what you want. If you do watch it, please shoot me a message and let me know how it is. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be right. I might be surprised. Who knows? But if you if you do watch this movie, let me know. I'm sure it's going to be hot garbage. But hey... Maybe they'll surprise all of us and they'll actually have spent almost $400 million trying to make a good movie for once. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is all I've got for you today. Thank you for listening to me rant and rave about things that I view as injustices and probably nobody else cares about. Uh, But if you did enjoy the show, I appreciate you sitting with me this long. Uh, if you'd like to leave me a like and a comment, you can do so at FreshFrozenSoutherner at gmail.com or you can go to the Fresh Frozen Southerner Facebook page. All right, guys, hope everybody's having a good weekend and we will talk again very soon. Thank you very much.